Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz and Pastor Tony Trussoni. All right, Tony. Well, we are back at it on this October afternoon. And what does October mean? October means uh, dressing up like a, you know, like an Avenger or dressing up like Dracula, right? Well, I guess for some, it depends. You know, for some, it's Oktoberfest. Um, some it's Breast Cancer Awareness Month. But what I had in mind was that it is time for playoff baseball and particularly the World Series, the Fall Classic. Yeah. And and can you remind me who is in the World Series this year? Uh, this uh, team that was out of Boston years ago. That uh, I, the the are the team formerly known as the Boston Braves. Yes, yes, the Atlanta Braves now. Apparently, it's the longest-running franchise in history. I didn't know that, but they had a thing about that there. But, uh, yes, the Atlanta Braves are back. And so, you know, back in the 1990s, the World Series was most often whatever AL team versus the Braves. Now, you kind of, you know, the Braves only won one of those, but they got there a lot. And so, you know, you just kind of took it for granted that this team was stacked with Hall of Famers and uh, – they had some amazing teams, and they had some stellar offenses, some guys that could hit uh, for average, for power. It was fun to watch. And they, they even, I thought, had classic-looking uniforms. They eventually had a nice new ballpark. Um, you know, and you can't win if you don't score runs. But everybody knew that those teams were built around one thing, right? I mean, you, you watch the game, so you, you know, oh, yeah. what, what was this team built on? Oh, they were built on pitching. The, I mean, that 90s pitching on that roster. Yeah, I mean, three Hall of Fame pitchers is just hard to fathom. Um, and good pitching beats good hitting in the long run. I mean, even the best hitters, you know, they get on, they get a hit like three out of ten times or slightly more than that. Um, but you've got to have some good pitching if you're going to win. Now, let me come back from the brink of basking in the glory of the, the 90s Braves, you know, to connect this for us here. Because when it comes to ministry, to family, to kids, to students, there is one key thing that you have to have, and that's God's Word. Amen. Um, you can have nice, good, and extra things and facilities and this and that, but without the Word, I mean, what do you really have? And Jesus himself said, the Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh does not help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And that's John 6, 63. And, and the Bible does that consistently where it tightly connects the word and the spirit. And so we can't divide them. Uh, and so that's what we want to talk about today is looking at age-graded ministries in particular to children, to families, and how we minister uh, – and to students and how we minister to them as a, the whole family unit. Um, and, and how – asking the question, you know, is, is that ministry word-based? Um, now, your initial church experience may have kind of separated word and spirit to some extent. Is that fair? Or? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I will say that, and I've even written some that I'm thankful for a lot of things that my original Christian background was Pentecostal and kind of non-denominational Pentecostal. And the as much as there were some errors that I mean I do know I do want to say that you know this church is probably the most evangelistic church I was part of in a lot of ways and you know and there was a lot of love in that church but uh, there was a 
a heavy criticism, actually, in this word and spirit separation uh, to expository preaching. And and I think that was, you know, one, I mean, because it was a feeling that, you know, if uh, pa- pastors working through a text long term, they're not really relying on the spirit as if, you know, God can't, if the Holy Spirit can't work on Monday for a sermon that's coming up in three weeks, you know, uh, and I, I do think it was word focus enough to actually cause me to rethink things. You know, I think it taught me to value the Bible enough that actually allowed me to read the Bible and go away from their teachings. Uh, but nonetheless, there was a clear focus on special revelation from the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, beyond, you know, maybe not quite at the level of, you know, uh, the same as, you know, the, as the Bible, but, you know, it was up there, you know, it was, uh, that just similar to, you know, the Braves probably had certain among those elite three pitchers, you know, that at different times, which would you say was the better one, Smoltz or what? I don't know, man. I mean, Smoltz had the power. So in the playoffs, he ended up probably being the best because he could strike guys out and, like, yeah, I don't know. Maddox was always my favorite. I, I think to, in a lot of ways it was, you know, Smoltz, Smoltz is the Bible there, and then Maddox is this is special revelation. You know, so maybe not <laughs> quite there, but it's uh, it's pretty close. I think Smoltz may be a Christian, from what I hear, but you know, um, I, that's a side note. That's <laughs> good to know. So, um, yeah, you know, but. I've never been a member of a Pentecostal church. I went to a church for a little while, about six months, that maybe had some Pentecostal leanings or maybe not fully Pentecostal, but you know, charismatic. And I think some of that separation of word and spirit, though, is not limited to that branch of Christianity. I think a lot of just main, mainstream evangelical people um, who – at least what their doctrinal statements say is that the spirit brings out the word, but in practice they kind of split those things apart. And so like, it's almost that the word is a dead word. And so then we need these things extra from the spirit, but God has promised to work through, uh, through the word. And I forget exactly. It may have been a book, uh, by Peter Jensen. He's this Australian guy. Um, but he pointed out to me in a, in Hebrews three, it's quoting from Psalm chapter 95, and there it says, and the Spirit says, and it's present tense. And so even like as you engage with Scripture now, the Spirit is saying to you. Um, and that idea that it is a living, and then in chapter 4, it is, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we need to to view it as such. That is how God has promised to work by His Spirit. It's, it's not just you know these secret revelations or that kind of thing, but it's his word. But things can get deep when you start digging down into the Bible. And so kids and teenagers, they want to have fun. They expect to have fun in our culture. Um, you know, sometimes people visit our church and they, like, what do you have for my kids and youth? And often that's not meant by like, so what are you guys studying in the Bible right now? It's sort of like what kind of activities and, you know, candy and lasers and whatever else. Um, so why would you want to have a word-based age-graded ministry? A word-based age-graded ministry that teaches the whole Bible, you know. It's going to be pretty fun when your kids learn about a, a uh, knife being stuck, a sword being stuck in a guy's fat, for example. <laughs> it be closed up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, no, uh, the, the, uh, it needs to be said that, I mean, as Scripture says in Romans, I mean, the gospel is the power of God on the salvation for those who believe. 
and fun is not the power of God to save people. <laughs> and that has, you know, to me, always been the distortion that is missed. You know, it's when we preach the Bible, when we open up the word, we have power. Uh, unlike anything that, you know, yes, I get, you know, Chuck E. Cheese is going to, you know, they're going to reach more people by their, you know, by, by the fun than the nutritional contents that they're advertising, right? But, you know, because the nutritional contents don't have the kind of power of the Holy Spirit behind them in that kind of way. Uh, there is more power in the Spirit through the Word than in entertainment. And, and that needs to be said. And, and, you know, we're not, you're not compromising by having a Word-based approach. You actually are, you're giving up the real power, something that is way more impactful than any kind of, you know, sales pitch, any kind of fun approach. Um, Actually, it's interesting is that, you know, you mentioned my kind of background with this. And I remember I was uh, one of my first ex ex uh, time being exposed to a regular, really Bible-based expository preaching, uh, you know, uh, really more clear in that. There was a little longer than I was used to, was I went to this church in Rockford, an evangelical free church. And I went with some friends uh, that were Christians before I was, and uh, I had complained about the sermon uh, that, uh, you know, I thought it was boring. I was asked about it uh, by my friend's parents, and I said it was boring, and, you know, I didn't think it was that relevant to my life. And uh, the par friend's parent response to me was the, you know, was that he just unpacked the word of God who made you, basically, that, uh, you know, maybe you need to check your pulse if you think that's, uh, <laughs> if you think that's boring and i was like whoa and they were right i mean legitimately they were right you know when we are bible-based we are unpacking the word of the one who made every cell in the dna uh, of these children you know and that's uh in their body and that that's powerful yeah and ultimately knowing the living god is not boring uh, I mean, you, you, you really read scripture and you see this, the texture that there is about who God is and what he does. And God's got a sense of humor. Um, Jesus is, uh, he's very confrontational sometimes. Uh, you know, there's just, there's a lot there. And so, yeah, he is not boring. So what are some foundations of a word-based ministry, you know, that we're talking about for kids and for students? What, what lies at the bottom there? Yeah, so I think one of the big things we need to understand in the foundation is really, if more than almost anything, it's about putting the em emphasis on the right syllable, the emphasis on the right syllable. <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to, a word-based ministry doesn't mean a, a ministry that doesn't have games or doesn't have crafts, uh, but it's really more about what you put the focus on, what, you know, what is built. I mean, just like in foundation, you know, that, uh, I mean, you're going to have, most people have a cement foundation in their home, and uh, that doesn't, you know, know if you put cement walls like i mean i've seen places in the world you know they've got the cement walls on like a wood foundation you know it's weird that it's done but it's going to be a worse house you know you, both cases you're going to have wood and you're going to have cement uh but you know if you you're going to have a lot more sturdiness if you build if you use the cement to build upon uh and so i think in that same way 
uh, a word-based age-graded ministry is going to have everything to a degree flow out of the Bible teaching. Every, the entirety of it, you know, maybe that doesn't mean that, you know, the, the snack of the week is going to be, you know, goldfish, uh, with, uh, you know, painted to look like certain Bible characters. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I think it's added that, uh, the word-based, um, Sorry, word-based age-graded ministries navigate different genres of scripture. I think that's another aspect of this foundation, you know, and that I, I think that there's a tendency that age-graded ministry tends to focus on narratives and children, and then it tends to focus on, you know, commands when you get to teenage uh, age. But, you know, I think a real word-based one is going to teach all of scripture, not always every specific passage, but the totality in general and that kind of way. And, and I think also a word-based uh, teaching of Scripture, word-based Bible ministry, is going to incorporate really healthy hermeneutics, which means, which we've talked about before, which is basically how reading the text according to its original meaning and trying to study deep rather than trying to jump off into our application. That's good. Um, quick story that, that maybe uh, came to mind as you were talking about uh, the previous question we were discussing my sister uh oh yeah you said it's fun is not the power of god to save and i was thinking that would make a good t-shirt and my sister um wanted to get a t-shirt made that had a guy with a tent peg stuck through his head that said uh no no it was the thing where you're talking about eglon that was it the fat and uh the tent peg stuck in his head and it said biblical womanhood <laughs> um so anyway, <clears throat> shout out to her. <laughs> but um, I think you had some good things about the, you know that you bring in the the full counsel of God as Paul talked to the Ephesian elders that they need to give the people that. And yes, kids are going to easily gravitate towards narratives, and so and there's a lot of narrative in Scripture. We teach them that, but they and that's one of the things I like about the curriculum we use on uh, for our Sunday school. And it goes through the Bible in three years, and it doesn't. It, I will say I don't know that it hits. You know, not every passage, but it does go through every genre of scripture, even Song of Solomon, and you know, talks about God's purpose for marriage. It hits the minor prophets, you know, things like that, and so that is beneficial um, for them to see. Both when they're young, as also like you said, the, the focus on commands: do this, don't do that. But you know, just seeing. God and how he portrays himself, his purposes, his, his promises in other parts of scripture. Uh, but that the word is the is the foundation of what you're doing. And you talked about the snacks. We actually use some stuff on Wednesday nights that suggest a snack in a way you can sort of tie it in um, with the lesson, which I like. Now, we've never done it, but <clears throat> I like the idea. Um, yeah. Using those activities as conduits of truth, I think is the yeah. term they use. Well, and the VBS, we, uh, we both... Uh, promote heavily VBS Reach Out Adventures, which is incredible. I know that they do, you know, they use the, the snacks as a reinforcement lesson. I think that's great, but I, I don't think there's anything sinful if, you know, somebody just picks up Cheerios that week for a snack. Well, somebody might find some, no matter what you eat, somebody's going to find an issue with it, but uh, that's another conversation for another day. Um, but yeah, having the word there, and, and obviously, you know, a humble approach to it. Uh, I was listening to this conversation a couple weeks back with uh, several 
well, a few former professors of ours and then some other guys. And it was uh, Mark Seifert and uh, Rob Plummer and some people. But they were talking about Lutherans and Southern Baptists because it's got Mark Seifert um, had been Lutheran, came Southern Baptist for a long time. Then he went back to being Lutheran. And um, anyway, one of his former students said he, he came up to him to ask him, like, what his, his exegetical method was. And he was expecting this, you know, deep academic answer. And Dr. Seifert said, well, first, I pray. And I pray that God would open me up to the word and give me a humility before it because it is God's word. It's not just a book. And then also that, you know, um, he would open his his word to me. And then he proceeded to talk about, you know, technically what he did. But it just said this guy was at the time was an MD student. He's now a, uh, a New Testament professor himself. But he said it just struck him the, the, the way he approached that and so that we're we're approaching it with humility. Tony, how does this work out at the level of, of programming, if you want to call it that? Um, is there a heavy emphasis on programming if you have a, a word-based ministry, or will it just depend on the context? Yeah, I think it definitely can. And, you know, programming is one of those things that, you know, we feel is a bad word, and it, isn't, it often is a good word. Uh, but uh, some of the best word-based kids' ministries really actually develop a program to work through the whole Bible in three or four years. I know you mentioned that the Sunday school that you use, I believe you're referring to the Bible project, the gospel project, rather. And, yeah. uh, correct. So, and, you know, I know a couple other ones, Treasuring Christ works through the Bible, and I think four years. Uh, there, there are multiple that do that. And I think that there's a reason why this is done. Uh, there's, it's not required by any stretch of the imagination. Again, you know, they do skip over some stuff to do that. You know, I don't know of a, a three-year Bible program that's going to teach uh, much about biblical teachings and circumcision, for example, <laughs> or tent pegs. You know? <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, you know, I, I think it's helpful that way. It's kind of incorporating all of these. I mean, I, if I'm correct, the uh, Gospel Project actually teaches a lesson for every book of the Bible, if I remember correctly. I think. Yeah, but... I it, it will require forethought regardless, even if you don't use this kind of heavy programming uh, and connecting lessons together. Because I, I don't think, you know, in any sense, we're really doing a Bible-based, you know, uh, age-graded ministry, a word-based one, if we are just, you know, having a random passage this week and a random passage the next week. We are kind of teaching that, you know, Scripture is, is yeah, it's a bit like a buffet when Bible is far from that, you know. <clears throat> yeah, I, I like what you said. The program is not necessarily a bad word. And I think we had a guest on, actually, uh, to connect the dots here, from, he's, he's, I think, the editor of the Gospel Project, uh, Brian Dubovich. And he, he was. pointed that out, how even your worship service, in a sense, is a program. It is a scheduled, regularly occurring uh, gathering. And so in that sense, it is a program. Um, I, I don't want to be a program-based ministry, though, and it's just what do we, you know, we have this event, that event for the kids and for the youth and, and that kind of idea. Um, but like you said, having a plan, a scope, and a sequence of where you're going with your teaching, um, that that is a should should be something you're definitely considering. 
and how will we bring the full counsel of God, the whole counsel of God to bear in these, um, these young people's lives? Uh, how are we helping their parents to, to connect these dots for them? And so I think, yeah, it's going to depend on your context, what kind of things you make available. But you're thinking, how do we get the word into their life? Not, well, what are we just, what are we going to do during these times? We got to have this, this, and this. It's an, we got to fill it with these things, but instead, you know, how are we trying to bring the word to bear? Um, and sometimes you may need to shift around the, the quote program time that you're doing. Maybe you need to cut something, or you need, maybe you need to add something. Yeah. I mean, it's just hard to answer that uh, one size fits all. Um, so, Tony, how does a word based age graded ministry? That's just a it's a mouthful. Just come up with some kind of acronym. Uh, but how does it train? And involve and equip parents to get, to be involved in the spiritual lives and the development uh, of their children, especially when a curriculum involves working through uh, the same lessons together at all ages. Uh, this gives an opportunity and easy on ramp for family Bible discussions. You know, if you know you use and say gospel project and you know you've been in jeremiah you're going to be in saying jeremiah or go to lamentations next week you know it's really easy for parents to kind of jump on board and to follow along and to lead by lead even family worship based upon these things uh you know and even i know that like some of these lessons are going to have like take-home sheets and but those take-home sheets are rooted in the text it's not you know how can i be a good you know how can i be the good samaritan today uh exclusively you know it's not how can you know that uh how can i beat the goliaths in my life it's actually asking people to kind of walk through it together and i think it equips parents by doing that uh and you know really parents can follow along then and just have to open a bible that's really all a parent has to do to follow along in a bible-based one is open up the bible you know which is awesome so uh this emphasis on word i think also it really kills a kind of professionalism with age-graded ministry that often happens because you know sometimes it's like you know that well i can't really disciple my kids because i don't have you know i don't have a degree as a family pastor kids pastor well it's not about that anymore it's not about you know education uh you know education experience it's instead about just opening up the word you know it's you know it's halloween time and we celebrate martin luther now and martin luther uh would say about the about his work in the reformation that and i'm not advocating we do the same kind of thing he he said you know i basically drank uh, good german beer and the and the word did the work so and you know and i i think there's truth in that you know the parents can you know whether they drink good German beer or not, <laughs> they can let the word do the work. Yes. Yeah. I actually shared that with a group of adults um, in our church recently, um, a group of Sunday school teachers. And I talked about it because I'm taking some responsibilities with our adult discipleship. So some of my responsibilities are expanding and it kind of plays into this thinking about, okay, how do we, how do we start? try to disciple everyone in the word and not just uh, the kids and the parents of those kids. But I was telling this group, um, I said, I won't tell you exactly what Luther said, because some of you might have a heart attack. Said, but in the end, he said that the word did the work. You know, he, he put it out there and then went on. And But yes, uh, he was drinking beer with his, his friend Philip and someone else. And, you know, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that you brought up some excellent points, though. That and I got that the train involve equipping. That's 
call it tie. I got that from Timothy Paul Jones, who teaches at Southern Seminary, and he, he's advocated that kind of a, a grid to look at it. I think it's very helpful and wise to to look at that. How do we um, do that as we're ministering to the parents? But uh, yeah, the, the Bible being the main tool that they need. You said the take-home stuff, and you can do that electronically. You can give it to them ahead of time. Actually, I was in a meeting recently and uh, with some other ministry folks in the area, and someone brought up that, that they send out stuff. And someone, in they come across something in a book that kind of challenged them, and they said rather than sending out the material uh, after they had taught it at church, they it was like if you're trying to tell the parents to be the primary ones, send it to them before. Yeah, and then so it's it gives we're coming behind you, mom and dad, and we're supporting you, and that's something I've been trying to implement. I, I used good. to do that and got away from it, and then I'm trying to re-implement that. But uh, yeah, I mean sometimes giving giving some explanation to the parents is helpful. If you send a little summary or hey, here's some questions to ask, yeah. because every parent is not super well equipped in in God's word, but I mean you have to push the question forward. Well, what are you going to do about that? You know, you can't just keep saying, well, I don't know much. Well, do something about it. Um, <clears throat> and, and pray, ask God to give you understanding of his word. And, you know, and it feeds into what are we doing with our adults? Because that hopefully you don't have this great word based kids or youth ministry. And then what the, the adults are being taught is, you know, just kind of moralistic therapeutic deism or something. Um, hopefully it's feeding, it's, it's all throughout and it's, it's coming down. The, the adults or the parents are being taught well so that then they can take that and be able to equip their, their own children and to teach them to follow the Lord. So what, what are some of the big goals that you might be working towards? Yeah. So I would say it sounds simple, but I think it's important uh, that I think to teach the kids and even the parents to read and rely upon their Bibles. Uh, and, and that's actually something that, you know, I really, uh, I really stressed in youth ministry at Faith Family Church, for example, and the children's ministry. Uh, one thing I had done in trying to have a board base was actually I challenged the teens. I mentioned this before. Pick any book of the Bible and we'll talk about teach through it in Sunday school because all of it's accessible. Mm -hmm. And so that was less of a go through the whole Bible, but we went through uh, numbers one time and I loved it. I loved it. And I think some of the, some of the teens that Karen did, uh, not everyone did. Uh, but, uh, but I, my goal was to teach them that they uh, could rely upon their Bible. By the way, uh, interestingly, I candidated at Poland Baptist uh, on Leviticus 25. So I don't know anybody else that's candidated on Leviticus. <laughs> uh, but further, I think another goal beyond showing that all the Bible, the entirety of the Bible, can be relied upon and can be accessible to them is to show that Jesus is the center of all Scripture. You know, we're not just called to, you know, give you know, vague Bible lessons like they would be taught in public schools uh, in the South and sometimes, but uh, to really have Christ-centered teachings, just show that Jesus, Jesus says he's everywhere in the Bible, and he is far from wrong. I mean, Charles Spurgeon, I think, has said like that, I think he, if I remember right, it's Spurgeon that said, I haven't found a Bible passage that uh, that doesn't point to Jesus, uh, and that doesn't uh, point the way to Jesus, and if I did, I would make a way. I would make it be mine. And, you know, obviously you shouldn't do that, but there is no Bible passage that doesn't. 
Yeah, I think those are some excellent points um, and really good, worthy goals. And I heard Doug Moo, who's a well-known, well-respected New Testament commentator, uh, been around for a long time. And he said, your goal is to get scripture in you so much that you don't need your Bible, in a sense, Mm. because it's just become such a part of you. And so I think that states it very well, that 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 is what is guiding. I mean, I, I think a lot of American Christians, and I, I can't speak for other parts of the world because I really have only been outside the U.S. twice, and it was only for you know max of ten days. Um, but in America, we have this embarrassment of riches in, in biblical resources and translations and all things to, to help us to understand God's word. Yet we have a huge, huge biblical illiteracy problem. People that you know. Being able to practically do theology, it's very lacking when it comes to making decisions. Um, and it doesn't even have to be life-altering decisions. I mean, we just recorded an episode about gambling. Um, and you could take something like that where people are just like, well, I don't, I don't really know what the Bible says. I, they, they don't even think to, to take the Bible and connect it to, or does God say anything about this? It's just, well, this is what I want to do, or this seems like a good idea or a bad idea. Um, and so it's hard to... to obey everything that Jesus commanded us if we don't know what Jesus commanded us. Um, So there is that educational part of the commission. But uh, I I really don't see that there's a whole lot to add to what you said. Um, I mean, we want people to know, in general, the scope of the Bible. That is, you know, by the time they get through our ministry, that they have heard, kind of, this is what the Bible is about. This is what the Old Testament is about. This is what the New Testament is about. And like you said with Jesus, um, I think Augustine called it the the narratio or something. I, I don't do Latin, but it's kind of the story of the Bible that we see kind of where it's going. But it's yeah. not just this disjointed group of stories like you talked about earlier, um, but that it is moving somewhere and, and it finds its focus in Jesus. <clears throat> I really like your focus on, you know, on how it's really meant to help uh, then think through everything, you know, that kind of word-based one. Is, and, and that's, to me, the beauty of, like, you know, if you make it kind of a law-based, you know, that, oh, it's just going to be, like, you know, we're just going to study purity for 10 weeks, you know, then it's, yes, you have these specific tools, you know, uh, that you you know how to do these specific things. But if you're word-based ministry, you've done, you know, equip them to approach the Bible and any question that they have, to always look to Scripture. And, you know, I'm working right now on biblical counseling certification process uh, and hopefully setting up biblical counseling office up in Maine eventually through the church and uh, the, you know, at least a little bit of the there here and there. And, uh, and really... Biblical counseling just boils down to trying to take somebody, you know, say somebody who's struggling in their marriage, you know, helping them be when they're fighting with their spouse. How does scripture relate to this? Which we don't do, you know, but if we teach kids this at a young age and age graded, you know, we've equipped them for, I mean, all things as Second Timothy three sixteen through 17 shows us. Good. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and it made me think, too, like a lot of times people will go about making decisions that, that are Christians. And functionally, they want God to show them what to do. And then they, they're not, they don't have their Bible open. Um, they're just like, well, I hope God speaks to me. It goes back to where we started about, well, not the Braves, but about kind of separating word and spirit and expecting God to just sort of 
give us a, a direct message or something and tell us, okay, this is what you do. But if our conscience and our, our heart and our mind hasn't been instructed and formed by what God has said, we're at a disadvantage um, because God has told us the thing, like you said, that the God who created, you know, every atom in you uh, who's in charge of you, he has told you the things that he cares about. And so you should care about them, too. And so, you know, it's when we separate word and spirit, we are putting um, we're in a bad spot. And so if we're not beginning when they're young and then as they're developing their their conscience and their their moral vision of the world and, and learning how to gain some independence and make those decisions for themselves. Um, you know, I mean, what are they going to do when they get to, to be grownups? It's just, it's not going to be a good situation. Yeah. Um, so how about, how much do the supplemental stuff like crafts or games or snacks or music or, or whatever, um, how much do they matter and how much should it influence maybe the materials that we would use? Yeah. I think that you shouldn't do any of that. All, all you should do is read the Bible in Latin and uh, until they leave. I'm kidding. So, uh, these, I think these things can be helpful in the way that like illustrations in the sermon can be helpful. I mean, I know that uh, I don't think I've, I've read that Piper, I haven't listened to enough of Piper sermons to know for sure, but I've read that Piper almost never uses illustrations. Uh, but, you know, most pastors, you know, most Bible teaching pastors will use illustrations in a sermon as really a tool to kind of reinforce it, uh, you know, as to help connect it uh, beyond and make the sermon's point memorable. And I think to me, those other things you mentioned, uh, they become just a source of doing that kind of thing. Uh, and, you know, also, you know, for snacks sometimes for kids that are, little, you know, need that are a little hungry, help them to have something to uh, feed them so they could learn. Honestly, in youth ministry, we would have snacks during the lesson. Uh, we would they would buy snacks at Snack Shack right before the lesson. And that was a practice that was put in place by a guy before me. And I thought about changing it, but it kind of worked out because, you know, they weren't thinking about their stomachs <laughs> while they're eating a Snickers bar. Well, they couldn't have peanuts, but nonetheless. <laughs> you know so and um uh, the and but i think that if we pick a lesson or material based upon uh these things though we can put the cart before the horse like if we make it uh, which the, to me i i have encountered far 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 too many people far too many people that even write stuff that have a tendency to base pick the what lesson what bible studies they're going to do based upon the cute craft that they found in pinterest uh or whatever or the or the fun application and if we do any of these things we put the cart before the horse and we miss the entire point it's like the pastor whose sermons are based upon rooted in his illustrations uh but i think sometimes those things could actually undermine the bible lesson as well i mean i know of you know curriculum we kind of had to get rid of at westminster when i was there we uh there was uh, a lesson that was like teaching like Herod Plate that the, uh, the song there was a song the kids were learning and it was teaching like blatant heresy and the lesson wasn't as much but then the, <laughs> the lesson was okay but then you had the song that was going with it and it was like come on man <laughs> what do you think Ben um yeah I, I what made me think about this because yeah, I've heard you talk about that and kind of hit that nail a few times. And I, I, mean, I think it's a good word though, because if, especially if someone, maybe they're in charge of doing kid stuff or youth stuff and they're not as 
confident in the word and their ability to, to to walk through and teach it. And they find something that's like, oh, man, that is so cool. Oh, And I mean, I, I had a conversation with someone who had been given the task to preach and he had this I guess you could say this grid that he was trying to apply, This basically this point he was trying to make, and he was using this passage in the Bible to sort of fit it into that. And so he was asking me what I thought. And I was like, well, I think that's a little bit forced here. I mean, what you're saying is true, but it's just not, that's not what this is saying. And, and that can often be gripping. You get something that grabs your attention, and you think, oh, this is – you know, this is it. And really it is putting the cart before the horse. Um, so I think that those kind of things, yeah, the material, you gotta be careful, you know, what you use, whether it's for kids or for students. And, uh, they can be, as we said, conduits of truth. Um, that was a phrase I borrowed from the praise factory, uh, that we've been using their stuff for several years. And the games that we play and stuff on Wednesday nights, they are, designed to somehow point back either to the lesson or the memory verse that we're working on or something like that. Uh, so they're still able to run and have fun and do things that kids like and be active. Cause I mean, yeah. I, I know this is like working with the younger, like, you know, K4, K5 age kids. That is not my sweet spot. I mean, I do it fairly often, but it is, you know, it taxes me and just having, I had to learn like, okay, Let's do the lesson, and then we're going to stand up, and we're going to recite the Bible verse with hand motions. Okay, yeah. we'll, maybe we'll sit back down, and we'll pray, and then we're after a little bit, we're going to go, and we're going to move around. I mean, you just they just can't sit there. Like They're going yeah. to start causing mischief or you know that kind of thing. And like you said with the teenagers, you know, the snacks and stuff, uh-huh. it's helpful. We saw, oh, and I know you agree with this, but we, we really have to trust the resource on this. And I mean, I was having a conversation with somebody who, uh, you know, I know this person's great love of the Bible. And I know she, this person agrees with me. Cut out she, please. <laughs> this person agrees with us on these kinds of things. Uh, but you know, there was a concern with trying to get, you know, a Bible lesson, real Bible lessons, uh, in a way that like young kids, for example, and older kids could really end that, uh, be impacted by it. And I think we have to trust that these things, like you mentioned, are great. They're helpful. They really are. They're helpful to help us utilize the Bible in the best way. But fundamentally, the Bible and the gospel are the power. God's going to work. You know, if uh, that is similar to like, you know, if you have, which we need to treat the Bible in a lot of ways like dynamite. If we're trying to knock down a wall, you know, yes, there's probably better places to stick dynamite on the wall, but the dynamite's going to get the wall down. <laughs> and, uh, and if we do, you know, yes, I don't think that it's a good idea for our Bible lessons for kids, you know, for a two year old. It's probably not the best lessons to have us just reading, uh, you know, the, the latter half of Exodus just aloud to kids. But, you know, if we did, there's, I honest, I think there's more power in it, honestly, than even, than, you know, the fun first stuff. I mean, I legitimately believe that. And I think we have to believe that if we believe that the Holy Spirit is behind scripture. Again, I'm not saying that's what, you know, is the best idea to do, but, you know, but my point is, even when we struggle, even if we're not sure on the best illustration, even if we feel like we really messed up and giving a craft that's going to reinforce, the word does the work. Yeah, I mean, you can just kick back with your German beer because the word will do the work. 
Yeah. No, I mean, but yeah, we, if, if God is really the author of Scripture and it, it's a gospel, it's the power of God, um, he, is, he is working in ways that we do not see, we're not aware, and the, the fruit may not come there immediately. We kind of touched on this, Tony, but I mean, anything to add, like these supplemental things, can, you know, can they be vehicles for the word? I mean, anything that you'd add or do we kind of adequately covered that? I thought you just, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I would just say, I'll give kind of, there's definitely examples, even in my own ministry, you know, I think they can 100% reinforce. I, I know of, I'm not good at crafts and stuff. You probably would agree with that. I'm not a creative guy. Would you agree with that, Ben? This is not your sweet spot. <laughs> but one actually, it's funny. I was writing our own curriculum at a church that, uh, because there was concern about, you know, Calvinism and curriculums and whatnot. And, uh, in the curriculum I wrote, we went through the Ten Commandments because we're going through the whole Bible. I, there were just weren't a lot of good crafts out there. And I thought a good way to do kind of the fun aspect, the fun time was we actually, when teaching the Ten Commandments, we, I had the kids get blindfolded. And then I had, uh, and I wrote on the blindfold sin and I took 10, uh, pins and I wrote down each of the Ten Commandments on it. And then I had the kids try to, you know, bowl down the, while blindfolded and spun around, they tried to bowl down the, Ten Commandments. And of course, you know, if they're far enough away, they miss every single one. And then I have another kid like with like a little hat that says like Jesus on it. He goes and he knocks him down for them. So they get a strike. And like, and it really, the kids remember that. Like it, it was silly and corny, but uh, it, it was meaningful for them. And, you know, and I did that only because I thought that enforced the biblical teachings on how Christ fulfills the law for, on, on what the law is and how sin blinds us and, and how Christ fulfills the law for us. But I mean, those kind of things, I mean, you got, I, I trust the listeners here can come up with far more creative things, uh, than I did on that. <laughs> but, uh, I, I will say that there are some, I think True 78 and the Gospel Project, uh, things that we've interviewed the leaders on, they do an exceedingly good job of finding resources, supplemental stuff that goes with it and, and makes the, these lots of sins even better. But uh, and trust your instincts. I think more than trust Pinterest is one thing I'll tell you uh, to any listeners. What do you think? Ben? <laughs> oh, I like that idea. I may borrow that. Um, I've like I've used uh, Jack Klumpenhauer's thing with the, the Jesus report card, and so I love that. Uh, the, the, um, I've referred to it quite a number of times. But yeah, I mean, you can. I mean, just illustrations in general. Jesus did not just stand up there and do straight didactic you know, unpacking of, of esoteric, you know, this conceptual teaching. It wasn't all that, um, you know, like reading a systematic theology text. It was, I mean, sometimes just he had a child in his lap and, you know, things like that. So I think that is, uh, it fits within the way God has made us. And that's, it's trying to work within creation. Um, and, and some of those other things, especially for where kids are and kids are, in particular, are very concrete thinkers, and so trying to get something that's abstract for them can be challenging. Um, and so, I mean, I was teaching uh, a group of kids this week from John five, and Jesus is talking about, you know, I and the, my father and I are, are one. What the father does, what I see him doing, that's what I do. And I was trying to think, how can I bridge this? And so I had this little girl get up, and you know, we did this thing where basically the point was that we were on the same page. So we could read the same thing at the same yeah. time. If she was on a different page, we weren't, but the, the Father and Jesus. And I mean, that's just more with illustrations. But yeah, those other 
supplemental things. Music. I mean, I was listening to some Carl Truman lectures uh, recent, just yesterday, and and I had heard this before, but Luther in particular, as we, we approached Reformation Day, uh, really understood and valued the the uh, the role that music can play. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it has, I mean, I've heard Keith Getty say as well, like your people are going to believe what they sing more than what they hear taught. Because yeah. it, the participatory element and just the, the way it affects you is different than hearing uh, speaking. And... So that can be a powerful way to to supplement and to teach kids and youth, or it can be a powerful way to undermine, like you said, with the, the heretical song there. So, um, so yeah, I think you make use of those things, but they're servants of the word. They're 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 contributing to the work of the word, not work. They're not. I mean, again, the the, the cookies and all that. Like you can do that, but um, it, it should be in service of the word. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how can you evaluate if your own age-graded ministries are word-based? And that's whether, you know, you're the leader of it or you're a parent and you're just looking at your local church's ministry. How do you, how do you see that? Yeah. So, read that. Uh, I think there's a lot of ways to do this. Um, so I think we want to see is the lesson rooted in the text or stretching it. And I, I, you know, I honestly think that most Christians have the ability to do this. Like, you know, if you, I mean, if we read the Bible first, if, or even, you know, get a pastoral, uh, uh, get like a study Bible and have to help you read the Bible. And this lesson is missing what the Bible's saying. It's clearly trying to read into it and trying to get application, uh, and then find a text for it, which is so backwards. Uh, I think that that's a good way to evaluate whether that's the case, uh, which my guess is the majority of those. I think there are actually even some passages that are probably good ones to check. Like David and Goliath is a good one. If it's, if it's doing the, you know, defeat your giants, which like most kids ministries do and you ministries, then you're not dealing with a Bible based one. Uh, and uh, I think, is there any sense of consecutive Bible study to ask? You know, again, I'm, we're not saying that you need to spend, you know, four years in the kids ministry through numbers. No one's, no one's advocating that. That's, if you do, God will work. Uh, but, uh, if it's just randomly, just randomly picking and choosing a Bible passage and there's no connection from week to week at all, uh, I think that to me calls into question whether or not this is really a Bible based, you know, word based one. Uh, and I'll ask, uh, I think we can also ask what genres of scripture are the kids and teens being exposed to? Whether it's just the narratives and the, com- and, you know, the commands uh, for the older kids uh, or are they being exposed to poetry and prophecy and you know revelation which is kind of its own thing that's a whole nother story <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, and lastly I think ask are these um, I think Mark Dever refers to sermons where it, where you could preach it if Jesus had not died and rose again as synagogue sermons uh, and maybe it's somebody else I, I think he uses it from other people as well and uh, I think we need to ask the question with these kids ministry lessons work if Jesus had not died and rose again. Jack Klumpenhauer does a lot of teaching on that. And uh, I think a lot of age-graded ministries fail these standards. What do you think? What other questions would you use to evaluate? Well, I mean, starting with the last thing you said, and it's great. Like the, 
you know, and that goes back to the foundations of of a, a word-based ministry and the goals that you're going after, helping kids to see that Jesus is the focus. I and mean, Jesus himself took that approach in Luke 24 after the resurrection and in, in, in John, uh, it talks about, you know, you pour over the scriptures because you think in them you have life, yet you refuse to come to me. But it's the scriptures that testify about me. Yeah. And so you're trying to help uh, – that that is you know you're trying to help them take Jesus's own approach, the author of Scripture, um, by His Spirit, take His own approach, and so um, that is a really good starting place. Though um, I think too, you can see what is the the ministry emphasizing or ask trying to evaluate that whether it's the kids or the youth, and seeing it is the big deal fun and quote, fun and games and activities, and we're going to have this thing, we're going to have a lock-in and this, or we're going to have, uh, you know, the bounce house or whatever it may be. And really the highest thing is just keep the kids busy and active at church, have them on the property or some kind of church-sponsored thing. Or is there, yeah, I mean, they're, they're doing engaging things when the kids are there, but there's definitely an emphasis on engaging with the Bible. Um, because that, I think that's a really, really important thing. It tells you what those who are leading it, um, or whether you're the one leading, huh, have we been emphasizing the wrong things? Do we think that fun is the power of God to save, uh, or do we think that the gospel is? Because I forget who it was I read, but their take was that a lot of the emphasis on basically what you could call fun stuff in the American church, uh, kind of taking youth culture and bringing it into the church for youth as well as for adults. Is there's this fear. Uh, we got to do these things to keep them in the building yeah. and rather than we're, we're targeting their heart and their soul, their conscience. And so that's the, the place I would want to be looking. What, what is the big emphasis? Yeah, it's good. Um, so what steps would you advise to someone if they do this evaluation, they're thinking about it or, or say, you know, they, yeah. And they're not convinced that the church's age graded ministries are work based, whether you're just the parent of a child that's in the youth of the, the uh, kids ministry, or maybe you have a role in leading it. I want to start by actually confessing for myself uh, that, uh, you know, I, I've written my own curriculum. And the one of the curriculum that I'd written, uh, years ago for a different church, we went through the whole Bible, but we would ask parents to read and, and, you know, we didn't know who all did that or didn't do it. But, uh, and I was confronted by, uh, somebody who, you know, told me, I think that we need to be reading the actual Bible every week. And, and they were right and I was wrong. And so I'll admit that about myself. As much as it's Bible-based, we weren't actually reading the Bible, which being Bible-based is only worth so much when you're not actually reading the Bible. Um, and uh, then I'd say uh, talk, to, if you're convinced that your age-graded ministries are not works-based, uh, talk to the spiritual leaders about your concerns, uh, but be willing to do the hard work of helping and leading because it's really easy in churches to complain about things and then, you know, hope that somebody else does it right oh yeah yeah <laughs> is that your quarterback it yeah <laughs> no uh but yeah so i mean i would say you know if you're not willing to do the hard work to help fix it or even lead the kids ministry you know be quiet maybe <laughs> <laughs> uh, with some reason i mean you know if you have disabilities and you can't do that i don't i think your opinions are still valid uh but this honestly though 
in a lot of cases, this could be worth either having your kids with you, uh, rather, you know, that as much as I have my kids with me during the service, I'm all for age-graded Sunday school, for example, and a lot of lessons for that. There's there's beauty in age-graded lessons. Well, this uh, you kind of surprised me there at the end, but I think that's true. Not so much the changing, but yeah, it's like if take them out of their class, if they're just getting, you know, taught donuts, spiritual donuts and cotton candy, um, and maybe while eating little donuts, getting hyped up for later. Um, you know, I think I heard David and Sally Michael talk about that. The, the Truth 78 folks, how, you know, they're what was being taught and preached on in the sermon, the worship service was biblical. And then the kids were getting like, basically it was just getting undercut. And so mm-hmm. they started having this burden of, we need to, to do something about this. And it, not that they were blaming whoever picked the curriculum. Um, I don't remember if he was in leadership at that point, but you know, there was steps taken. Oh, we need to address this so that what our kids are being taught matches it. You know what we are being exposed to um, in in the public gathering. Yeah, they so, threw it all in the dump, from what I remember. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he talked about it when we interviewed him. But yeah, um, right, right. And I think yeah, it's just going to depend on the situation, but approaching it humbly. Um, whether you're the one who's going, oh man, we've really emphasized the wrong thing, and, and repenting about that before the Lord, asking for help, and um, trying to set a new direction. Uh, or maybe going to uh, leadership and saying, you know, we need to reassess this and, and really helping people to just ask some questions. What is it we're really depending on here? Uh, but approaching that in humility as a parent and not just coming with an accusing finger. Yeah. To, Why aren't you teaching my kids this? Um, hopefully you're teaching them those things at home, that those things are valued and, and treasured in your home. Um, and so that there's that substance there and you might be able to help offer some leadership, mm-hmm. but I, I think, yeah, it's just going to depend, um, on the situation. And so, I mean, probably uh, no one is in that kind of that, that leadership role and they're intentionally trying to like, you know, moralize children and, you know, do this devious thing. It may just be a volunteer who's been given that role because no one else would do it. Yeah, and absolutely. so um, you could offer to help. And so I think there's there's a lot of need for humility and for just asking questions and being a good listener and then um, yeah, maybe stepping up. But so, Tony, just like we started, the spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, Jesus said. And the Bible t- tightly connects the word and spirit. Coming back around to that. And we can't divide them. So what God has joined together, let no one separate, right? Amen. Uh, so we hope that this helps churches and families as they look at their own church's ministries um, to push them further into God's word and to uh, his life-transforming power that his spirit will bring through that. Amen. So thanks for thinking with me about it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.